On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. After Jesus entered the city and the crowds dispersed, he left with his disciples to visit the temple, to pray, and to teach the disciples. As the group walks up to the temple, they hear a loud commotion coming from inside. Inside, they find a crowd of people not worshiping or praying as they had expected, but selling, bartering, and arguing. The coos of pigeons and the low braying of oxen, among other animals, surround the group as they stare in wonder at the sight before them. In anger, Jesus strides over to a money changer's table and grabs the basket of coins, flipping it upside down. The coins fall to the floor. Jesus grabs the edge of the table, yanking it over and sending everything crashing everywhere. Everyone in the temple stops and their eyes are fixed on Jesus. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. After saying this, Jesus continued to flip tables and ordered money changers and salespeople out of the temple. And eventually all of them fled. Um, should we do anything? The disciples watched Jesus as he crashed around the temple, a sight to behold. Nah, we'll leave him be. Eventually everyone fled the temple and Jesus paused from his anger. And in the silence, he breathed heavily. There was only a mess of chairs and tables left on the floor, a scattering of fur and feathers, like a maze that was difficult to navigate. Whoa. That's better. Come, I have more to teach. Wait a minute. Do you guys remember what was written? It must have been in reference to this. So many things were written about. Which are you talking about now? The zeal for your house will consume me one. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yes, that one. Oh. Ah, yes, this makes sense. That's legitimate. He was definitely consumed by zeal for the temple for a while there. After that day, Jesus began teaching daily in the temple. The disciples would gather around him and a crowd would follow along with those who were sick and afflicted. And Jesus healed them, including the blind and the lame. Despite the chief priests and scribes' attempts to destroy and discredit Jesus, they could not do anything, for all the people were hanging on every word that Jesus said. Even though Jesus had displayed incredible anger, cleaning out the temple and calling it a house of prayer, in spite of his anger, the disciples continued to follow him and obey his call. And they learned from him and they followed him into the temple, formerly a sinful place, now a place where they could learn and worship. And as they were learning directly from Jesus in the temple, they were deepening their understanding of the Lord and who he was. For it is said by the prophet in Isaiah 56, these I will bring to my holy mountain and them joyfully into my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. As Jesus teaches the disciples on the Mount of Olives, 
There are many glorious signs and lessons. And a crowd gathers, listening eagerly to what the Messiah has to say. Friends and strangers jostle each other for better views and better spots to listen. My dear friends, you all know the Passover is coming soon. Two days, in fact. That is when the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. I will soon be arrested and put on trial. Little did the crowd know that while Jesus was teaching, the chief priests and elders of the people gathered together in the house of Caiaphas. The high priest had gathered them all together that day to plot and to scheme. They sit together around the table, discussing softly. Caiaphas sits at the head of the table, his hands steepled in front of his face. His eyes are narrowed in concentration as everyone around him discusses the schemes of their hearts. So how are we gonna capture and arrest this Jesus of Nazareth? We all know he must be stopped for his backwards teachings and prophesying. It must be done quietly. Yes, with stealth, no one must know. There must not be an uproar of the people. Now we all know how much the people love this man and the uproar they'll cause when they hear of his arrest. So not during the feast of the Passover. Too many people concentrated in the same area. After then? Yes, less people will be all together. That way, it'll also be under the cover of darkness. What about the disciples? Won't they be in the way and cause an uproar themselves? And spread the uproar to the rest of the people by telling them what happened. You all remember the type of man Jesus is, right? Peaceful, nonviolent. Yes, except for that day at the temple. He was quite violent then. Good point, but he's typically quite peaceful and perfect, is he not? Where are you going with this? I have no doubt that he'll instruct his disciples to be peaceful about this. There should be no need for a fight. You'll be banking quite a lot on the supposed peacefulness. Perhaps. I like to think I already know the person of Jesus quite well. You could even say we are friends. It is stated in Psalm 31, I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. Then came the day of unleavened bread, the day the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus called to Peter and John and gave them instructions to prepare the Passover. Hey, where should we prepare it? When you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Go to the master of the house and tell him, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I will eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room in the upper floor of the house. Prepare it there. Okay. The two disciples obey, following the man with the water jar into the master's house. After wandering and searching in the home for a few moments, the two find the master of the house. Excuse me, sir. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Oh, you're here. I've been waiting for you. Peter and John followed the man. They took flights of stairs and tight turns until they arrived at a large room, completely empty, like a blank slate for the meal to come. The master of the house smiled at Peter and John and then took two steps out of the room so they could prepare for the meal. How does he always know these things? Magic. Not magic. God reveals it to him, or something. I honestly don't know. 
All I know is that it's not magic. But no, just stop. Continue preparing the room, will you? Soon enough, all who were to attend the Last Supper slowly walked into the room, which was finally fully prepared and ready for the meal. Jesus reclined at the table with the disciples. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. After saying this, Jesus took the cup from the table before them, and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it between yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus also took the bread from the table, holding it up before the disciples and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Down the table, each of the disciples ripped off a piece of the bread, a wide, flat loaf. After each had obtained a piece, they ate in silence. After they were done, Jesus spoke again. This cup is poured out for each of you. It is the new covenant of my blood. The person who will betray me is here at this very table. The disciples drank from the cup and began to wonder who would dare betray Jesus. I but it's Thomas. Hey, why me? I mean, you are a bit suspicious at times. So are you. You're always sneaking off to who knows where. Let's let's not speculate right now. When it happens, it happens. Judas didn't have to accuse me, though. Thomas is right. It wasn't necessary for Judas to accuse someone. I honestly think it's Philip. No, stop. No more. We don't need to be divided right now. Not when we're all together in community and on such a sacred night, no less. Oh, come on, Peter. Lighten up a little. We're just having a little fun. Peter is silent and merely glares at James. Meanwhile, on the other side of the table, the others have struck up a different conversation. Which of us do you think is the greatest? Who will they tell grand stories about in the future? Probably Peter? Probably. Nah, I think it's Andrew. Andrew? Why? Why not Peter? Just a feeling. As much as I would love to be considered the greatest and therefore be famous, I know it's definitely not me. I'm way too flawed. Well, so is Peter. But he always obeys Jesus without question. Hey! All right, fine. I'll just ask the person who definitely knows the answer to this question. Jesus, which of us disciples is the greatest? Everyone was looking at Philip in disbelief that he had brought up such a question. Jesus, on the other hand, was looking at Philip with non-judgmental compassion. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. This is not so with you all. Let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Who is the greater? One who relaxes at a table or one who serves? Is it not the person who relaxes at the table? I am with you as the one who serves. The disciples, feeling properly chastised, they sat thoughtfully, feeling shame, especially Bartholomew, because he had brought the subject up. They all sat in silence, and then Jesus spoke again. 
when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals? Did you lack anything? But now let the one who has a bag of money take it, and likewise a knapsack. Let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me will have its fulfillment. In Fulfillment is an audio drama that shares the prophecies about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This episode of In Fulfillment is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul.